Welcome to Leafs Talk. Uh, it's not a familiar voice bringing it in. It's Sam McKee here, our boy J.D. Bunkus, finally, finally taking a night off. The workhorse has been working nonstop, and he wanted to take a Saturday night off, so I guess I'll give him a break. And filling in for him, uh, the host of the Fan Morning Show, Justin Cuthbert. Pleasure to talk to you. I feel pretty guilty because I tweeted about uh, us doing the show today, and I was looking forward to doing it with you. And I just, I didn't realize that I didn't follow you back on Twitter until today. And I was like, oh my God, I must seem like such a d- You must think I'm so rude. I've done that a few times where I just don't even catch it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, finally, thanks for the follow, pal. I felt like such a d- We've been working around each other for at least five years here. And now I'm, we finally follow each other. So well, there we I, go. I, I think there's an excuse because there's hasn't actually been any overlap between us. So it's not, not too big of a deal. It's easy to forget. Good. Sometimes you get a couple notifications filling yeah. up the box and you don't see yeah. someone follow you. It's all good. But now that we officially work together, it, uh, it makes sense that the, uh, the follows have been exchanged officially. So I, I think we got to start with uh, the psalming stuff pregame, Justin. And I, I was at a wedding last night, full disclosure, so I didn't see the game and I didn't see it live last night with mm-hmm. everybody that they had out there. But so this was my first opportunity to really like, you know, dive in. And they did that beautiful video tribute coming up and just everything and his emotions and seeing, you know, Daryl again crying and upstairs. I I really, really, really was blown away by that video that they put together. The Leafs do such a great job with that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was just an incredible tribute to Borea Salming. And I, I just think that we can't start anywhere but there. No, they did an incredible job, and you're right. Uh, that's probably what we should expect from the Maple Leafs at this point. If they're going to do something, if they're going to honor someone, it's going to be done the right way. And and yeah, you're right about last night. It was it was really really emotional last night because it was a lit a little bit more maybe unexpected, given that yeah. it's you know it was the Hall of Fame thing. It was about the Hall of Famers coming out, and you know Boria was obviously a part of that. But the tears from Daryl Sittler mm-hmm. uh, and Boria raising his other hand after. Uh, Daryl Sittler helped him raise his right hand or the the hand closest to him. Uh, unbelievably emotional, and now to get the backstory tonight before teeing up, uh, you know the the actual ceremony and honoring Boria in the arena. I mean, it was just kind of like the perfect. Uh, it was the perfect moment for the Leafs, but it was kind of the perfect weekend in that it got the full treatment. It was it deserved that much because Boria means so much to this franchise and it was worth reminding everyone those who had not seen him play and don't have the same memories as say Daryl Sittler to be reminded and to be reminded twice uh on back-to-back nights was uh was certainly the right way to go about things yeah and like just to dive into the actual stuff that they were talking about in that incredible video they put together you know my old man tells me a lot about this too and just how much of a beating he took coming over here and being one of the first guys from there and just like really, really paving the way for other Swedes and like they were talking about in that video. And just the that scar picture, it just always sticks out to me. The one like mm-hmm. right down his eye and he's just such a warrior. He just played all his games for the Leafs. Like I just, it always... You know, it's good. You get corny about being a Leaf fan and getting excited about these things. But being a Leaf really does mean something. You know, it's just a really, it's one of the original six franchises, one of the most, you know, storied franchises in the NHL, you know, without the cups. But it's just, it's really, really nice to have these reminders of what an incredible franchise the Leafs is because you get so bogged down in the day-to-day uh, Justin you know yeah. doing the shows and talking about the fourth line or whatever and you kind of forget <laughs> and zoom out about what a you know storied historic franchise it is so I uh, I really love that po- that whole ceremony and I didn't love the way the Toronto Maple Leafs played that first period after that no. incredibly emotional thing maybe listen maybe it went the other way 
where they were like that was such a stirring thing and it's hard to kind of go out there and play a game like maybe that's the way it went but man they were bad in the first period after that and i was getting ready for some really hot takes on leaf stock uh they really were and you do hope that like you know the story of solomon permeates through the fan base but you hope it permeates through the team as well and i don't want to make too much about the first period because again if you're standing around if you're emotional if you're actually like really taken by what you just saw you're right, it could work the other way, and it may have worked the other way, but thankfully they were able to turn around uh, the game because they did not come out very well. It didn't look like the story moved them in any way, but again, that's just too convenient, right? Like, I, yeah. I, I, I think there's still a chance for this well beyond a first period for this to really hit home for these players. I hope they're thinking about Borea Salming when they're driving home and when they're going home tonight and when they're celebrating this victory because uh, it should resonate. It should mean something more. And I, I hope that's, if there's anything sticks with anyone from this game, it is what we talked about first, which is honoring Borea Salming and telling his story correctly. 100%. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, about the, the line switch-ups and splitting up Marner and Matthews and kind of going to the juggle that they did. It was Carolina that he did that mid-game when he mid-game, switched up yeah. the lines. Yeah. So are you happy with this? Is this something that you think needed to be done? Like, I, I go back and forth on this because you know what Marner and Matthews look like at full steam and how good those guys can play together. But it does seem to me like not necessarily a wake-up call is the right term, but it seems like this team needed a little bit of a jolt. And I wouldn't say they necessarily dominated with their new line mates, either of, the, either of them, but I really do think it was a time for a shake-up, and I'll be interested to see how, how long he sticks with this. Well, I'm glad Keith has like the ability to do it, right? Like yeah. we're talk we're talking about like uh, autonomy issues and authority issues and and what you can and cannot do in this market. And as a coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm glad he feels like he can do this, and there's not like any repercussions or there's any like poutiness that's going to happen if you break these two partnerships partnerships up. I've been kind of pining for it for a little bit. I ca- I kind of want to see Nylander almost rewarded for what he's done to start the season, and I kind of want to see if. Uh, Mitch Marner can help John Tavares or maybe the opposite way, John Tavares could help Mitch Marner a little bit because I always figured that one would have to help the other. It would have to be maybe Mitch Marner in a couple years or the last two years of John Tavares' contract would have to drop down and maybe pick up Tavares a little bit. But that hasn't been an issue, obviously, because he's been so good. And now with in the third last year of his contract, maybe it'll be John Tavares trying to help Mitch Marner a little bit. I think that ne- didn't necessarily play out tonight. I don't think those two were particularly good. I think Nylander mm. and Matthews were better than those two. For but sure. no no problem with making the change. And I do hope it sparks something with, uh, with Marner in particular. Yeah. And God, it's just... I there's not many coaches in the NHL that have the luxury that Sheldon Keefe has in terms of just being like, you know what, I'll put these other two elite guys together and see what happens here. And guys that not only have had success with the other guy, like you look at the two lines and Marner and Matthews have had all the success together, but John Tavares had legitimately his best season of his career playing center with Mitch Marner as winger. So there's those chemistry spots you can go back to. Willie and Matthews have been excellent together in years past. So to me, it really always seems that Matthews and Nylander are actually a better pairing than Marner and Matthews. Like I just, it just seems like a more natural fit to me. But obviously, it's hard to it's hard to quibble with what um, with what uh, Matthews and Marner have done together as well. So I oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, if he wants to get real crazy, he's got one more uh, trick he could pull with, you know, maybe one day playing Matthews and Tavares together and Nylander could play <laughs> some center. Like, they, what a luxury you set, you laid it out. They actually have one more move within that luxury. Wow. Uh, I wonder if we ever see that. If, if you listen to Kipper, uh, he would like to see Marner play at center one time. So uh, maybe, maybe you can even go to that. But I wanted to ask you, because they got two even strength goals tonight, right? Matthews was on the power play. Yeah. So... Are you concerned about how little they score at five on five? Because I, like their numbers are really low near the bottom of the, the league in terms of how much their five on five scoring happens. Is this just a figure of something? Is this just something that they're going to figure out? Or do you think that do you think that it's a legitimate concern? I mean, I guess it's a more it's a legitimate concern, but I think you're more concerned about like the process of getting to that point where you're not scoring at five on five. I mean, clearly the top two lines haven't been working as they were at certain points. I guess you can't really say that about Tavares and Nylander to this point, but again, we just broke them up. So maybe it was getting a little bit stale, but clearly the Matthews-Marner partnership hasn't been as prolific. But what's really probably bringing that down is that you were getting zero scoring from the bottom six really up until recently. And if that changes and we expect the positive regression, at least from Matthews and Marner, if they Again, they are reunited. I just feel like it'll eventually get back to the point where we're not talking about five on five scoring being an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, it does. It just doesn't feel like. It just doesn't feel like that's sustainable. Like that will be the continued issue. Yeah, if they continue to be, you know issues with whether or not these guys are happy with the scenario yeah we kind of like push that aside and i think once you can get past that and just play the game all that stuff will naturally come back to you yeah i, I think that's fair but it's just so weird for them to be there like this whole era yeah. of leafs hockey you just that's something you could always sort of phone home about is that they were going to be near the top of the league in five on five scoring you talk about what matthews does at five on five he's always i think probably over the last five years he's next to ovi or maybe leading ovi in terms of how many five on five goals he's had so it's just a weird one for me that's why i bring it up it's just it's it's a puzzling thing and i guess it just has to do with matthews and marner not completely hitting their stride yet yeah and i mean with matthews too like this is the most prolific five on five scorer in the league or at least has been yeah and he hasn't been that good this year let's just no, put it as no. it is he hasn't yeah. been at the standard he was last year and we probably expect that standard to be reached again or at least close to and when he gets going uh you could probably expect him to lead that five on five charge mm -hmm. uh almost all by himself i do want to ask you about uh, the bottom six because it's be it was better tonight. It has been better. Mm -hmm. It actually probably helped lead the turnaround in this game. That Pierre Engvall goal came off a really, really good bottom six shift. But I've been hammering this on the morning show, and that's that David Camp and Callie Yarncroft haven't played together basically at all. And they've tried all these different combinations. And I just don't get why they don't boil it down to one simple thing. Hey, who are our best three bottom six players? And let's mm -hmm. put them on a line. And we'll see if they can make something happen. Like he refuses, he being Sheldon Keefe, to elevate David Camp in any way. And he still does his job. But I just feel like you get more from him and maybe in turn Yarncroc if you just had all your best bottom six guys jammed together on one line. Yeah, I, I'm really still waiting for the Yarncroc impact moment you know like and maybe had, he needs his hand held a little bit yeah he like he's had he's had some good i think what does he have three or four goals so far this year he scored a shorty the other night on, on the pass from on, he's from quietly put up a couple yeah yeah but 
it's just I don't really know what he is as a player yet. You know, you you kind of you hear about guys and they come and play for the team that you watch all the time. And you kind of try to get a feel for what they are. And I've really had a hard time figuring out what he is as a player. But I think that's interesting. I just don't think the I think the reason they're not doing it is because I think Keith has found some consistency with that line with Camp, Aston yes, Reese, yeah. and Malgin. Who listen? They were good against the against the Penguins last night from this, what I what I watched, but. To me, I this this bottom six is just so undefined, Justin. Like I just yep. don't know what they're. It's such a weird line. Like the third line with like Engvall at center and and Bunting and it's like Cali Yarncrock. It's three different human beings completely playing on a line together exactly. that don't really have a lot of connectivity. So I'm not really sure what the what the solution is in the bottom six because it's a personnel thing. I just they don't have. I, I don't know what they're going to do with it. It just, it, it seems like it's at some point, one of the main things that's going to be need to be addressed via trade. To me, it's like you've tried every single option, but mm. play your best two bottom six guys together. And it's like, I, I just, I get it. Okay. So you, maybe you think you need one on each line yeah. in order to make it work. But I just think you should simplify things like try to put your best three together on one line and see if you have a really strong checking line. But again, I think you're right. I think he really sees the value in Malgin, sees the value in putting Malgin together with David Kampf, at least recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they drop Yarncroft down, maybe that's your third line again. But what does that leave you? It leaves you with a combination yeah. of Aston Reese and Engvall. And I just don't think that's going to work. I, I could yeah. see, like, I th- I do think, though, they have to find something with Yarncroft here. Like, what works the best? Maybe playing with Matthews and Nylander is the best thing for him. Yeah. Maybe dropping down to the fourth line to play with Kampf and make the third line more of a scoring unit with Nylander is the thing you should do. I just think they have to find something for this for this newcomer that works because right now it just he seems like the one guy who's really trying to find his way. Yeah, I I was I was a little bit surprised when I saw that the 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 term on that contract, the four year term, and it's like that's a guy they really like. And I think it's a guy that they thought would slide right into the Mikheyev sort of speedy guy that's gonna pressure the puck. Maybe not, maybe doesn't have the best hands in the league yeah. kind of guy that they're just hoping to find a little bit of you know contract va- responsibility yeah, yeah, diligent contract value sort of thing and they really I I don't really see it so far but I I I, I also have to con- uh, convince myself it's not Spets every time I see him wearing nineteen I'm just not used yeah. to that yet but, but like. Uh, that's a that's neither here nor there. But every time he comes flying down the wing, I'm like, oh, 19, here he is again. And I'm like, oh no, that's Yaron Kroc. But I just, I uh, I agree with you, and I think that's the biggest thing on this bottom six is that I just I don't know what they do. I'm not sure what the the thing is that they're really supposed to be great at. Like, are they a defensive unit? I guess so. You know, but you need them to chip in on with goal scoring, and I don't know if they're going to do that with the guys in the bottom six. Like, and even the second, you know, putting Robertson in there, playing with sometimes playing with skill players, sometimes playing with the bottom six guys, it just it just feels like it's four guys that are good, and then the rest of the team. Like, it really doesn't feel like it's a connected unit. So I'm interested to see how it develops throughout the year. Yeah, uh, that's definitely true. It's four guys and the rest of the pieces trying to yeah. figure out a way to make yeah. it all work. I will say they came up with a big goal. Engvall and Yarncruck were out there 100%. with with bunting on that shift. Excellent it was, shift. It was an excellent shift. We saw excellent shifts from the fourth line as well. David Camp, despite me clamoring for him having a bigger role, continues to do his job very, very well. Yeah. So this it wasn't really as much of an issue tonight, and it was more of a, okay, maybe there's some progress here from a couple guys and a couple partnerships.
So concerning to me is uh, TJ Brody missing tonight. That's never the guy. Is that his first game he's missed as a Leaf? I feel like he hasn't missed a game as a Leaf until I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. And I, you know, they made Jordy Ben get into the lineup. He scores the goal, obviously. Great Selly. That was... was it the Gretzky like run that he did? Like, I love put his I, hands at the little. That's run? what it is. The, when you yeah. pick up your feet a little bit on a yeah. celebration, it's my yeah. favorite thing ever. Yeah. Especially if you're not a goal scorer. And there's few things that Austin Matthews loves more, and this is one of the, my favorite things about Austin Matthews. He loves when a butcher scores. Like when a guy <laughs> who's not sports, supposed to score scores, the look on his face, yep. he gets so excited. Like when he scores, he's like yeah, whatever. He does like a fist pump. But like he legitimately acts like they won a playoff series when a, yep. a guy like that scores. He does a nice tuck too. He was got it up quickly, but I I don't know what they're going to do. I guess when TJ Brody's healthy, I guess I guess he's not hurt long term. It was a day-to-day thing. It was a game time mm-hmm. decision. Probably got a, a sore foot or whatever. He got took a shot off it yeah last night. Did, did I see illness? Or maybe maybe I, maybe I might be wrong there. I might be wrong. But you feel like it's just a minor thing. Yeah. Hoping illness. But I, yeah. I heard them talking about it on the broadcast, maybe something about his foot. Anyways, okay. hoping illness. But I will say that I'm not sure I want Jordy Ben to come out. I, I don't think he was necessarily great tonight. I don't think he is, by any stretch of the imagination, a, a key contributor to the lineup. But I, I, this is something I've said forever. I love having a butcher in the lineup. And mm-hmm. I think Kyle Dubas does too. Like, you look back at whatever team he's had here, you know, it's been Bogosian, it's been uh, Labushkin, yeah. it's been a guy, like one guy that sort of, it's been, I guess Roman Polak was more of a, more of a Lou Lemorello guy, but he was, mm-hmm. there was a bit of crossover there. To me, I just I think they like having this sort of guy in the mix on a team. He laid a big hit tonight. I don't know who he got, but he got somebody pretty good in the third period. I I don't know who you bring out in the next game if TJ Brody's going. Maybe it is Ben, but to me, Rasmus Sandin is the guy that I'm looking at. That oh yeah, oh yeah. You got you you had a big opportunity here with some injury in the bottoms. You know, with all your guys that were out, like Lilligren was out long term. Like I said, uh, Ben. And he just hasn't jumped out and taken it, man. It's just no, it hasn't no. been good. So I think he's probably in danger of coming out the lineup Tuesday night in Pittsburgh. Well, he's been clearly outplayed by the guy who he wanted to be valued the same as, or at least yes. maybe valued more as, uh, yes. than, than Timothy Liljegren. And yeah, at least if anything, this Jordy Ben thing puts a little pressure. Maybe yeah. Ru- takes away a little bit of the complacency because nobody's knocking on the door. Like Philip Crawl, yeah, he got in this year, maybe... Uh, you know, faster than anyone expected being in the lineup this year. But uh, I don't expect him to be taking minutes from anyone. But if you do have a healthy Jordy Ben, and assuming we have a healthy TJ Brody, it at least has some uh, some competition. Uh, And I could see Rasmus Sandin being punished for having a bad game with maybe Jordy Ben coming in. I will say, I think another example of uh, Sheldon Keefe's strong coaching is the mm-hmm. fact that Jordy Ben moved around a lot tonight, mm-hmm. played with a lot of different partners, uh, didn't stay still. I, we, I was trying to get a hold of what the actual pairings were because it was different it, from warm-up to starting the game, and then it changed in-game. But I like the fact that Ben played a little bit with Riley and got mm-hmm. to play a little bit with Sandine. And I actually kind of like what I saw with Riley and Jordy Ben. So maybe that's a bit of a Band-Aid solution uh, you know, when the process of getting maybe a Muzzin replacement in at some point this yeah. year, 
but I think Jordy Ben's going to have a role in this team because you need more than six NHL defensemen. You probably need closer to yeah. nine. And Jordy Ben's an NHL defenseman. He might not be a stalwart back there, but he can give you something. And uh, what do you call it? The, what, what is Austin Matthews butcher. like scenes? Butcher. A you need butcher. a butcher. Yeah. He's this yeah. team's butcher. And it's good to see the butchers in the lineup every now and then. Yeah. I, you, know, I, you know, it's still hockey. It's still hockey after all. And it God, is. It, it's just an excellent beard. And how many guys in the league now can't wear or don't have visors? Like, I feel like there's not many left, right? Like, it's got to be yeah. Ryan O'Reilly in, in, uh, in St. Louis. Jordy Ben, obviously, on the Leafs now, has no visor. But there can't be many guys left that don't have it. Getzlaff was one of the last ones. It, yeah. may, be, it may be just him and Ryan O'Reilly that have no visors. And, and his I, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. His brother, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jamie Ben. So I cannot believe that these guys play an NHL game with no visor. You are an insane person. So like, I was, it, I was just, go gonna, I went to a, like a charity tournament and I thought it was a joke. We were all like, you know, we were all being idiots. It was going to be very low level though. Yeah. One shift in, I thought it was a little bit more competitive than I thought. I'm like, I'm getting this visor on. I'm getting my visor on as oh, quick yeah. as possible. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't want to play even a remotely no, competitive game of hockey without a visor well, or without a cage for that matter. So I, I cannot believe these guys. The way pucks no, fly up, ramp oh up God. sticks. It's absolutely absurd. But uh, he's one of the few ones left. And it actually shows his age a little bit. I was surprised to see he was 35. Yeah. I think he was second oldest to score. In his debut in Leaf history, I think I, I really? saw that graphic oh, that's behind sick. only Patrick Marlowe. And I'm like, he's 35? Really? Yeah. Well, so, you need that grizzled butcher. So I want to just quickly talk about the Vancouver Canucks stinking, if we can do that before we go here. Why I, not? Why not? So I saw this Sportsnet stats, which is my favorite Twitter account. I honestly love them so much, and I go to them so much for all the stuff I do for both shows. And they put out a great one right after the game. They had this one locked and loaded in the holster. <laughs> So the Canucks win, win, uh, Canucks losses when holding a multi-goal lead. They have six of them already this year, Justin. Six. And in the mm -hmm. previous two seasons, they had six. That is horrible. And they are just a, like, there are some skilled players on this team. Like, I really, like, I, you know, I think Pedersen's got a, a lot more to give. I like, I like Besser. You know, I liked JT Miller until they gave him that contract. Like, There's talent cool. on that team for sure. And, you know, you look at Quinn Hughes, like they got guys on that team that are good, but boy, outside of that, there isn't a whole lot there. Like they are not a good looking squad right now. I, I feel bad for both Brucey Boudreaux. Gabby doesn't look like he's having too good a time behind the bench. Uh, it's a, it's a bad situation at West right now. Well, it's an untenable situation too, because Jim Rutherford keeps slamming him in the media and he's oh talking, God. he's talking about structure the whole time. So if you're Bruce Boudreaux and you know, you have no chance because your boss hates you, but your boss's boss won't fire you. You're kind of just like, well, screw it. I'm just going to play the brand of hockey I want. And we're not going to see any structure tonight. And we didn't see any structure no, on that penalty kill. Vancouver certainly become probably the Vancouver is the first team since Matthews what rookie year to literally lose him mm, while mm. killing a penalty like that Matthews goal was the most open he's probably ever been and that just goes <laughs> back to the structure thing like uh yeah I mean as much as Jim Rutherford's kind of wilding out a little bit with all these comments he is right this team lacks structure it lacks the ability to play have those really talented players play within a system that's going to work and we just saw it again tonight like this team is uh Something's like fatally flawed and it came to the benefit of the well, Maple Leafs tonight. And tonight it just like, not to get too much into Canucks talk here, but it really seems, and you mentioned this before we started, it really seems that they want to fire him and ownership doesn't want to pay three coaches, right? 
Like yeah. they, it just it, like there's they, no other explanation. Every single time Jim Rutherford gets a microphone up, yeah, he's like, yeah, Brujo, he sucks. He sucks. Bad coach. We stink. Like every time he gets the opportunity, and he's just like, oh my god. I, yeah. I, I don't Give know the guy a break. Exactly. I like. <laughs> You can be really upset and do yes. it just behind closed doors and yes. at least give him a chance because if you're a player on that team and Rutherford's going off and undermining Boudreaux at every turn, don't do you, you start to, to yeah, don't you start to believe in that? Like yeah. I don't understand how even the team is supposed to perform under the pressure that Rutherford puts on everybody. It's really it's ugly, man. It's really really bad. So just a quick housekeeping note here. Uh, Keith is speaking now, and he says that Brody is day-to-day, and he said it wasn't necessarily the shot block from the Malgan goal yesterday. So maybe okay. maybe we're both a little bit right. Who knows what the hell's wrong with him? I'm not a doctor, but uh, he's speaking now, and he mentioned Brody's day-to-day, which is really good news for the Leafs because he's their best defenseman, right? Like, I think yeah. we've yeah, all yeah, come yeah. to the realization that he is now their best defenseman, and... What he's done for Justin Hall in the last four games, like it's pretty clear Justin Hall needs a guy that plays well defensively. Muzzin, he was good with. TJ Brody, he's been good with now. So they got to get him back in the lineup. Uh, we didn't mention Hall, but maybe the Brody or the the Brody, the uh, Ben things puts a little pressure on him too. Like I don't yeah. think you're taking him out because no. I think you need him to kill penalties. Yeah. But maybe there's a little bit of consequence if you have a really bad Justin Hall game, which of course is a distinct possibility. Oh. <laughs> I think we should we should touch just on Eric Shalgren before we go in the decision uh, yeah. to start him. Yeah, like good call. It it was nice having him in the All Sweden lineup. I hope that's mm-hmm. not the reason why he started, though, because <laughs> this, like, I mean, Keith Petruzzelli might never get a chance now, but you signed him to a contract. Probably he should have got the opportunity tonight. I think they're lucky that Shalgren survived this game, honestly. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was upset. It's a tough hill to die on, bud. Like, it's, you know, yeah. it's, God, they should have started the ECHL guy. They really should have started the fifth starter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a hard, it's a hard hill to die on, but... I, yeah, like you're right. I think I think they lose this game, and Shalgren is and give Shalgren credit. He played pretty well. He, he hung made in some there. Good save, he made some good saves in the third period. To me, it always just seems like the puck's hitting him for his good saves. Like it really, I hate watching hockey with my favorite team involved, where every single shot that goes towards the net, I'm holding my breath. It's not a great feeling as a fan. It's a really kind of bad mm-hmm. feeling as a fan, and that's kind of what it's been like as a Leaf fan for the last couple years you could say I guess outside that hot stretch with Jack Campbell but it's just I didn't think they should do it back-to-back starts I thought it was an obvious opportunity to get uh Petrozelli in the net but they must just think he's no good like if he's not if he's yeah. not start if he's not starting tonight then like they just have no belief in him yeah I mean I guess they had to sign the contract because you need a backup there but yeah. a- anyway it's just like if you're on an NHL contract you should be a viable NHL option so, and I guess they don't really consider him that but I, I like game of inches because there was a chance late in the first period oh, from yeah. Connor Garland that he barely hung on to, he being Eric Shalgren. And if that goes in and it's three nothing going in the first intermission, I mean this he gets th- in. This thing yeah, he gets in and this thing blows up because mm. he probably shouldn't st- have started. He was like really upset last night after a bad game and you've been relying on him so much. Like this could have been a really, really poor decision. And I think they just sur- survived what was still a poor decision. Yeah. And can we quickly just touch on the Matt Murray stuff from earlier, like him saying that he got cleared to play tonight, but they wanted to give him more time. Yeah, man, more time. 
you've played one game and it's, you've had one me. morning skate. Like it's we've had a lot of time here. Like it's it's Matt more time Murray. Can, honestly, can we, like he always can, needs more time, how, doesn't he? How about you? How about you get in the net and give it a go? Like what's <laughs> like? Oh, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? You're gonna get hurt again? Like maybe just play? Like they kind of needed yeah. you tonight. Maybe get in the net. I I listen. I was optimistic about. Uh, him coming to Toronto. I thought it might work out. Me and Bunkus were exchanging bad tweets today, texting them back and forth to each other about like <laughs> us praising the decision to get him, which if he has a bad one on Tuesday against Pittsburgh, we'll probably retweet them ourselves to make fun of it. But like, mm. man, I this is frustrating. This is giving me Mrazic, Anderson at the end vibes. Like it's, you know, I, I always now, talk it's three, it's three in a row, three goalies in a row where it's like, yeah. if I'm not, if I'm 98%, I'm not good enough. Like and, it needs, it can't be that it can't. And, and I think honestly, I think that's the reason that Keith has this sort of soft spot for Shalgren is because he just plays, yeah. he plays, he's not hurt. He goes in the net. Like, sure. He's an 880, but he yeah. plays like he's always available. Like I, you know, I feel like Keith might have a bit of PTSD with goalies where, you know, you're just, you're always kind of. You don't know who's starting half the time. It's got to be a horrible feeling as a goalie. It doesn't seem like he can talk to anybody. There's all these layers of sports science and doctors. And it's like, mm-hmm. you just have a conversation with the guy and ask him, hey, man, you mind getting in the net tonight for us in our NHL <laughs> game? Kind of need you. <laughs> you want to go? Like, you just want to go tonight. Like, that's all it should come down to. And, like, we're starting I, our AHL guy in the both ends of a back to back. After he was, like, crushed in the postgame. Like, it's, it was bad. But, yeah, I think you're I think you're bang on with that. Like I think Keith is frustrated. He said I think in the I don't know, it was practice Thursday maybe he's like, Yeah, he's on the ice forever. Like there's yeah. no frustration when you're <laughs> saying he's on the ice forever. If you use forever to like measure time, <laughs> you're mad. You're mad. You're a hundred percent mad yeah. if you use the word forever to measure someone's time. So uh, I think there is frustration already with the yeah. goaltending, and it's not just from Sheldon Keith. I think the fan base has reason to be a little bit frustrated and, as well. And I think, and I think there's a lot of people in the nation's capital that are going, "I told you so, boys. I told yeah. you so, guys. We knew this. You probably saw this coming. Like yeah. it's it's been a thing. So I'm hoping that he gets in the net on Tuesday against Pittsburgh. That's what they said they're aiming for. But who knows? Honestly, like, who knows? I, I really seems like the least dependable guy ever. So I'm not sure what they're going to do, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I just wanted to bring that up because I was pissed off about it. Yeah, they're going from undependable, undependable, undependable. That's what yeah. at least it seems like. And uh, that should have probably gone into the evaluation a little bit. You mentioned all these layers. Like, yeah. shouldn't there be someone that just, like, raises their hand and says, hey, uh, th- he's been an issue in this regard for a little yes. while. Like, forget what his body looks like or his numbers are when he's right. Like, this guy just doesn't want to play sometimes, and it's an issue. That should have co- that should have been Dubas, in the evaluation yeah. process. Yeah. He called Dubas after he traded for Murray. He's like, are you serious? Another guy I can't talk to? Like, <laughs> how about a guy that I can have a chat with? Oh, Another guy man. that needs to be 110% yeah. always. So happy the Leafs won. Shouldn't have been down two zip to the Canucks, but a nice rally. And uh, it was a good win for the Leafs. You all good there, Justin? Anything else? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks for having me on, man. It's a pleasure. Enjoyed really- listening to you guys to this point, of course, with Borno, too. It's, uh, yeah. it's been a good addition to our, into our uh, little repertoire here. I really appreciate you spending your Saturday night with me, buddy. It's been, uh, it's been a splice. So, uh, the Leafs talk, and we're back on Tuesday. They play against the Penguins in uh, Pittsburgh, and Bunk, uh, Bunk and I will be back on YouTube then. So, give us a rating, give us a review, and uh, tell us nice things about it because I really like to hear that. So, this has been Leafs talk. I'm Sam. That's Justin Cuthbert. Thanks very much for listening.